0: On Texas football, it's Saturday. It's Sunday night, uh, time for the Longhorn live stream. I'm uh, alongside Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas at On Three. Uh, Jerry, uh, Longhorns had a scrimmage over the weekend, uh, the final scrimmage of the uh, fall camp. Uh, they will have a walkthrough type scrimmage on next Saturday, which is not actually a scrimmage. It's, it's really they'll have some plays, but it'll be mostly walkthrough and situational, making sure they're to get their substitutions in, according to Steve, Steve Sarkisian. We've also got to talk about some uh, recruiting news uh, that you want to get to as well. Uh, but let's start with something else real quick, Jerry, because I think it's going to be uh, interesting uh, for people. Uh, earlier today, Ian Boyd and I uh, put up a, a story or a, a, an On Texas Football broadcast, and we talked about Texas potentially being defensive-led as opposed to offensive-led. All offseason, we talked, Jerry, about how much we thought the offense might lead the way with all these playmakers and all these guys. But from yesterday's scrimmage, we heard about the defense. What what were your initial thoughts? And then I want to bring somebody else on and we're going to get his thoughts as well. Okay.
1: Absolutely. Sounds good. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I think the Defensive line is playing at an incredibly high level from what we're hearing, Bobby. I mean, incredibly high level. I mean, you're hearing more names on the defensive front from young players than we have in recent years. I mean, look, we're hearing about Jare Bledsoe after every press conference at this point, right? So that depth on the defensive line uh, is really starting to show up as far as development. Because people forget it's not Water instant player. Defensive line is a development position, Dray Bledsoe, Aaron Bryant, some of these guys are really starting to develop. Aaron Bryant's always anchored against the run, but I think you're seeing Jare Bledsoe become a, a little bit different player right now.
0: Yeah, all right. I want to. I want to bring in. I got. I got the question here. <laughs> <laughs> there he is, Kevin Nye's asking, "Who's with us tonight?" Uh, it's Rod Babers, <laughs> uh, the former Longhorn, uh, current host of 101.9 Morning Show uh, in Austin, longtime Austin radio personality. Uh, Rod is joining on Texas football and inside Texas uh, this season. And we're really happy to have him. Uh, we did a last year, Rod and I uh, did the uh, post game show and had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, so we're going to recreate that again this year. Uh, very happy to have him. Uh, Rod, I'm going to ask you this question right out of the gate because you've been here. Okay, You've been on a the number one ranked defense in the country before, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what is it like in practice when you hear that the defense is outplaying the offense for the most part? Like, is part of that because I mean, we hear it and we we we've talked about it, Jerry and I, they the defense knows the offensive plays too well. They know the the idiosyncrasies. Is that what you think may be happening right now? Or is it potentially that the defense is going to be the leader of this team?
2: That's interesting. You know, I mean, I, I actually we actually got a chance to talk to uh, a Brad Sham, uh, like, a, like, a, like a couple, I don't know, a couple of years ago, actually, like a year or so ago, actually. And I asked him the same question about the Cowboys. I don't, I'm gonna make the connection, but I asked him the same question. I said, "Are oh, we at the point now with the Cowboys, or a team that should be led by their defense and not the offense?" Because you got to win. There are two different types of ways to win, right? you got to win with elite offensive product or an elite defensive product. Usually the offense is led by the quarterback. Defense can let, be led by a different number of ways. And he said, oh, no, the Cowboys are probably closer to being a defensive-oriented uh, model and blueprint than an offensive model and blueprint. And I think in, in like a year later, we are witnessing that. Like we're in the midst of it. The Cowboys actually now, that's probably where they are. With the, with the Longhorns and, and the leap from year one to year two, right? In year one, they were, they, you know, for under Pete Kikwoski, they were, they were giving up 31 points per game. Now you're talking about a shift of 10 fewer points per game in year two, uh, from year one to year two. Uh, you're going to look at the rushing defense. The rushing defense, that took an astronomical leap. You're talking about a defense that gave up the second most yards per rush allowed in Texas football history in 2021. And then in 2022, you fast forward 3.3 yards per carry allowed. That's a that's a huge leap forward. So if we're trying to project and say that this defense that can make a can make another kind of huge exponential leap forward, maybe they could end up being an elite defense. Guys, when was the last time we had an elite defense on the Forty Acres? I'm talking about elite. That's top ten. That's top. You know, fifteen ish. 2009. Yeah, right? that was the same time where Texas had the expectations right now, what they are. All right. Also being as high as the standard. That was also the last time the big 12 media picked Texas to finish first in the big 12 media preseason poll. So uh, I don't necessarily doubt that this, this defense could take a huge leap. Now there are some areas where we got to see X. We got to see exponential improvement, third down, money down defense, third and fourth down, right guys. Last year, Texas was eighth and third down defense in the Big 12. They were seventh and fourth down defense. You got to change that. You were ninth in takeaways last year. All right. In the Big 12, that's got to be better. And all the reports are coming out of training camp. that the defense has been opportunistic, taking the yes. football away. That's and that's a big part of it. So those two areas are the key areas for me. Can they be better on money downs? And then can they be better at taking the football away? And also, Hey, turning turning pressures into sacks. We know that, hey, that's one of the mysteries right now with Texas football. They were top five in the country in pressures last season, but they only uh, they only converted and translated to 27 sacks. And Pete Kwiatkowski said they, they missed 13 sacks last season. They could have put them up to 40. So those are three areas probably where if this t- if this defense wants to go from good to elite, that's where they have to improve.
0: Yeah, they, I, I agree with Rod. I think we've been saying this, Jerry. From the get go, and so it's it's refreshing to hear from somebody that's actually put the pads on at the university, um, and you know, been through that, and know. I mean, you played with Sean Rogers and Casey Hampton and those guys. I mean, you know what it's supposed to look like, Rod. Um, and I think that the one thing that that we've talked about, Kukowski mentioned the third and fourth down wanting to prove, I mentioned the sacks and getting the quarterback actually on the ground, but the turnovers, Jerry. Yeah, Let, let's just go straight to it. Manny Muhammad had another one. This is the third or fourth straight. I don't know if it's the straight practice, but sec, definitely the second scrimmage. Yeah, we've heard of him e- causing a a fumble, not just not a pick. necessarily. He's, he's had picks too, but we're talking about a DB that's a freshman that's causing turnovers that may push him
1: ahead of some others in the lineup, if not immediately, eventually. It's one thing for him to have a pick six uh, 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 in the scrimmage, and he had another pick six maybe earlier in the fall camp, right? So he's had a couple of interceptions. It's a total different thing for a freshman corner to be coming in putting his hat on the ball, causing fumbles and scrimmages. That means – he is around the football, and he's becoming a playmaker earlier than expected. And, Rod, we talked about on the show, he's gained 13 pounds, too, because he was an early enrollee. So he's gone from a 171 2 pounds when he came into 185. And he's retained all that quickness and explosiveness he had. Uh, but, look, you're only causing fumbles if you're in the right place at the right time. You're staying attached in coverage, right, mm-hmm. to be able to make a play on the ball. And here's the most important thing. He was physical against the run in high school. But you always wonder when you go to the big time power five level as a young player, are you going to come up and play the run with the same physicality you did in high school? He's answered the bell immediately. That to me, and Rod, I'd like you to kind of talk about this. We've talked about Texas looks like they're going to have more playmakers on the field. And we, Bobby's been preaching for three years that that's been an issue defensively at Texas. And Jalen Ford kind of started to change that, but more playmakers on the field this year.
0: (laughs) Hey, guys, I want to get to our our sponsor of the Sunday night live stream. Each and every uh, Sunday night, the live stream is brought to you by uh, the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas specializing in lobbying political communications business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. Uh, To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate their uh, sponsorship of every Sunday night's live stream right jerry i want to pitch to you real quick because people are asking some recruiting questions sure. uh, right now let's let's go to this one first yeah it's a, it's a question slash comment i'm smelling a commitment waco way in a few days from jesse lachico that's obviously talking about uh, kobe black the cornerback out of waco Connolly.
1: yeah i think look texas remains in a really good spot for kobe black uh, A&M's tried to cut into that lead. I just don't think it's happened based on my, my intel. Justin Wells was by the school last week. I just feel like Texas remains in a really good spot. The whole key coming down the stretch here, these recruitments, uh, is, look, he's he's going to commit before December. We've, we've been saying that. that. That sounds great. You're seeing all these kids start shifting. Dominic McKinley, September 1st. Kobe Black. These guys aren't going to wait until December. Um, so we're going to see what happens with Kobe here. The big thing next for me is, does he make an LSU official visit September 9th? Or does he end his recruitment before that? We're going to find out here, I would suspect here in the next week or so, what his plans are. Uh, but for Texas fans, I think they have all the reason in the world to still feel confident there. Uh, I want to
0: say thanks to Ty Watts for his, uh, super chat here. Uh, he has a hey. question down below. <laughs> he has a question down below guys. Uh, Jerry, staying with you, do you see Colin Simmons making an Harold Perkins-type impact as a freshman? Perkins, obviously, the uh, LSU guy that uh, from the Houston area that just
1: went nuts at times in pass rush scenarios as a true freshman for the Tigers. Yeah, I'd love to get everybody's opinion on this one. I say yes because he's a midterm enrollee. And we've seen the value of that. Look, I mean, Kelvin Banks must be the greatest player because he wasn't the early enrollee and he was a freshman All-American, started 13 games and he's had to be an All-American first round pick. But a lot of guys, Anthony Hill and Malik Muhammad, think about the guys we're talking about right now, defensively that are getting some runs with the ones right now, getting some runs with the twos. They're going to play a lot and have a big impact. I think Colin Simmons, because he's an early enrollee, will absolutely have that type of impact. I'm not claiming he's going to have seven and a half sacks like Harold Perkins did. I think Perkins had three and a half in one game. But if I was sitting a number at six and a half, I'd be really tempted to take the over. I think the guy's a tremendous natural edge rush prospect. And coming in uh, in January, he's going to add a lot of strength to that frame, and he's going to get adjusted to the offensive tackles at this level in spring ball. Rod, I- I'd love your opinion on that one.
2: Yeah, I, I love what you said earlier, though, about trying to get, you know, these playmakers on the field, right? Yep. Back in my day, they called them ball hawks. Yep. Now they have a technical, analytical term. They they, they they talk about great havoc players and havoc plays. This is basically uh, interceptions, PBUs, tackles for loss, sacks, you know, forced fumbles, those types of plays. Last year, Jalen Ford actually led the Big 12 in havoc plays. He was a yes. he was basically wreaked more havoc than any other defensive player in the Big 12 last season. Strangely enough, in 2021, Texas was last in the Big 12 as a team, as a defense, in havoc rate. So their defense was basically non-disruptive. They created no havoc yeah. at all, but they led the Big 12 in 2022 in havoc rate because Jade Barron was also top 10. Demarvion overshone ended up being top 10. And I, it's always been my belief, guys, I played with these guys. I played with Nathan Basher, who's tied with Noble Doss for the all-time lead in interceptions at Texas. I played with Derek Johnson and Michael Huff. Listen, I was a good player, technician, uh, great fundamentals, great technique. I was not a ball hawk. There are certain guys who, uh, who play on defense who believe that they have a right to the football, that, that it, is, it is programmed ever since they've been playing in junior high or they were playing in Little League. They actually believe the football is mine when the football is thrown or when a, and a ball carrier has the football. And I truly believe you can you can get better at that sense, but some guys just want it naturally. From what I've heard about Malik Muhammad, he might be one of them guys. He just goes for the ball. The ball is his top priority. I my, The player was my top priority. I had to defend the player. That was my job, my responsibility. Some guys go above and beyond their job and their responsibility, and they go get the ball. That sounds like Malik Muhammad to me. That sounds like Anthony Hill to me. And now those are the guys you got to make sure they're on the football field.
1: Well, that probably led Bobby in the Jalen Catalan coming exactly. of some sort. Of, <laughs> yes, uh,
0: that's exactly what I've been
1: talking about. Is yep. um,
0: you know, that's the type of playmaker I'm talking about, Jerry. The ones that yep. make I don't call them havoc plays, but I get what they're talking about. They're talking about sacks, yep. negative yardage, turnovers, yeah, uh, force whether that's a force fumble or a, or a uh, interception. My, my take on that is that Catalan adds to that secondary a guy that's got three years starting experience and is a he's he's known for that. I yes. mean that's that's his mo, right? I mean, and so I, I I'm a real big believer in, in playmakers slash havoc plays, whatever you want to talk about, because ultimately they're plays that affect the outcome of the game. Uh, I do want to say something. I'm, ta- I'm speaking here with Rod Babers. We're welcoming Rod tonight in. Uh, to on Texas football for the football season uh, and uh, beyond with us here alongside Jerry Hamilton. I'm Bobby Burton. I also want to mention, guys, y'all mentioned Demarvio and Overshown last uh, just now, Rod, in your comment. Uh, Unfortunately, according to Clarence Hill, uh, Rod, Demarvio and Overshown is out for the year now for the Cowboys. It looks like I don't know if it's been announced that it's a ACL tear, Rod, uh, but in Jerry, but uh, that sounds I uh, like it's like it's going. Clarence
2: Hill's tweet from about three hours ago. Sources confirm a torn ACL for Cowboys rookie linebacker DeMarby on Overshone. The promising third-round pick from Texas is out for the season. Big blow for Overshown and the Cowboys who are thin in line. That's my man Clarence Hill, who does a great job. But except I don't know if it's been officially announced from the Cowboys. That's his report, but we can, you know, there's some other sources we can go to. But that, that was the speculation. After initially, happened. and guys, they love Overshown. The, the reports were that the Cowboy he, he wanted to be called Agent Zero, and they told him he had to earn it. So that was kind of his mission to earn being being the number zero again. And guys, I saw him break down the huddle after pregame warmups of one of the Cowboys preseason games. I was a rookie in the NFL, guys. I can't tell you how rare that is. I was a fourth round pick. I mean,
0: Rod's breaking up there a little bit, guys. Uh, we're going to see, we're going to see what, if he comes back on here, uh, AS 85 guys has a drinking game that we may need to, uh, uh yeah. worry about here, Jerry. Anytime someone, uh, says, let me say this, or just to be clear, Jerry saying he knows where he wants to go. Justin saying roster, cause that is the way Justin says that. Uh-huh. Uh, Blake agreeing, anyone interrupting another person, see y'all in the hospital. We are imperfect by the very, um, very uh, level of it. Hey, Matt, do you mind calling Rod on the phone uh, and uh, getting him, telling him that uh, his uh, computer lagged out on him uh, there? And Jerry and I will take it from here. AS85, I'm not going to do that because I would end up in the hospital if that happened uh, tonight. There is no doubt about that. (laughs) Um, Hey, guys, let's look at this real quick. And Jerry, you tell me what you think of this. Micah Hudson has not committed to Tech yet. What does that mean to you? I mean, we've heard, oh, well, he hasn't committed to Tech. Does this mean that he's going to all of a sudden like Texas more? Does it mean he just wants more attention? What does it really mean? Or do we even know?
1: Yeah, and I don't think we truly know. I I think there's been some chatter that he could want to wait to announce at the Under Armor All-America game the first week in January. I'll say I'll say this, um, like I've been talking about every prospect. That sounds great, but th- as this recruiting process moves along, maybe Mike is the one guy that does it. Because I I will say this, um, I don't think Tech's in a position to force the commitment. Right? I mean, I think there's a difference there. If you're about to commit to Georgia and they're sitting there with the number one ranked class and they got 25 commitments, that's a different game you're in. Uh, I don't think Tech can force. Micah's hand from their perspective, nor should they try. That would be bad recruiting in this scenario. Um, But, you know, we'll we'll see what happens uh, with uh, Micah Hudson. But look, Texas has remained in contact. Uh, They've never stopped contacting Micah Hudson. Neither have a lot of -of out-of-state schools and including Texas A&M in state as well. I think he'll show up on some campuses this year as if his timeline remains the same. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But I can tell you this, every day he doesn't commit the Tech is, is a, uh, a day Tech fans get more worried because they know the longer this recruitment plays out, um, the better it is for the competition because they know which school has the X on their back, and it's the Red Raiders in this one. Got and it. And by the uh, way, Stephen Houston asked, you know, is Rod going to be on the show regularly? Uh, Bobby, I'll let you address that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, we're happy to have him. He's going to be on multiple times a week at different shows, hosting some. Uh, guest and expert, some, uh, et cetera. We're really happy to have him uh, with On Texas Football and Inside Texas. Uh, we thank him uh, for being a part of the team. Uh, he's happy to be here, we hope, uh, and we'll get going. Hey, Rod, I want to bring you in on this one because you were actually a special teams guy. Okay. Okay? Yeah. How special teams looked through fall camp? The one thing I would tell you is I was out there at practice and Jyoti Camillus, the new special teams assistant that they brought in, the former uh, NFL guy, He had an attention to detail that I hadn't seen, uh, because there was just actually an extra guy out there coaching the returners while Banks was handling the kick uh, or the punt coverage team, right? And so it was a different look. How much do you think y'all had great special teams back then? Just just for the record, great special teams. Mm -hmm. How much of it is is players as opposed to coaching? when it comes to special teams because we've seen Texas not be very talented and have kind of mediocre special teams because the guys weren't fast enough. They weren't getting down fast. You know what I mean? What What, what is your take on that? Because certainly the roster is better now than it was just two years ago.
2: Yeah, I think, as, honestly, I have come to believe that it's about dedication and priority, emphasis by the coach. Remember, guys, one of my early years at Texas, we had, we played North Carolina State.
1: I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you did.
2: <laughs> exactly. We had three – was it three kicks blocked, if I'm not mistaken? Three punts blocked in the same game. Yes. Guys, after that, Matt Brown completely changed our practices. Everything changed. We started to devote – I want to say we probably devoted three more to four more periods of practice to special teams alone after that. And they were quicker. They were probably little five-minute increments. They weren't long periods. But he made sure that we covered every element of special teams. And then Coach Aquina came in. And Coach Aquino was like Jeff Banks. He believed in best players should play on special teams. Like, don't, don't put it out there with all, all of our backups and it's a depth thing. No, no, no. Your best players, they should play special teams. And he made it almost a, it was almost a camaraderie thing that you know, if hey you you almost earned a badge of honor to be able to play on special teams, being one of those guys, even offensive guys. So I think it's a culture thing. And I think it's more about dedication and about emphasis. We had a lot of talent, but man, that that North Carolina State game changed everything for Mac Brown. And then we right. We became one of the best special teams units in the country year after year because of that. But it was because he emphasized it and he dedicated a ton of time to it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that emphasis in, is one thing. My question there, and Scott, thank you for your uh, super chat. I did not see a question attached to this, Scott. So if you have one, please put it back in the chat and Matt will bring it up for us. Our producer, Matt Hutchison, behind the scenes right now, helping us get through this. Uh, 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 hey, hey uh, Bobby,
1: I've got, to, I've got to take a question. Somebody wants to know about <laughs> Alfred Collins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He had a good scrimmage again. Right. I, look. Oh, uh, Alfred Collins continues to play really well. Um, it is his contract year. Um, I couldn't <laughs> be more excited. I hope I'm finally right. <laughs> how
2: how many how many years have you predicted the Alfred Collins breakout season
1: since the uh, interception against Colorado? Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs>
0: I will say, let's let's talk a little bit about the scrimmage yesterday and yeah. what we've heard because I, I think this is a good time to share with people. Jerry, you you haven't been on since that. Um, we got the more more repro- rec- uh, reports yeah. last night and into the morning and even some this afternoon, uh, so you can share with that as well. But uh, long story short, uh, we've heard the defense was ahead of the offense in the early part. The offense progressed as the, as the uh, night went or as the morning practice went on. Uh, we heard there were some turnovers. I think four was the number. We heard two interceptions, two fumbles. I don't, I don't, I can't tell you that number is a hundred percent or whatever. But the probably the biggest thing, and I, I mentioned that this afternoon in in a in a uh, a video here and on Inside Texas, the biggest thing that not only myself, Jerry, Justin Wells, and Eric Nalene of Inside Texas uh, all heard, no major injuries. I mean. Let, let's be clear. I mean, we can talk all day until we're blue in the face about how good this player is player X, Alfred Collins or Jarae Bledsoe or Manny Muhammad, Cedric Baxter, by the way, apparently had a, a really, really probably oh, his yeah. best scrimmage yet. Uh, it, on uh Saturday, you, you put all that together though. And if you start losing players because of injury along the way, those count. And, they add up, and by the end of the season, you're looking at, you know, you know, you're looking at most of your second team starting instead of being full ready. And uh, the Longhorns, if they they have big plans this year, uh, but the health of the team uh, is probably priority one, in my opinion, uh, at least getting out of out of. Uh, hey, Bobby, uh, and I
1: want to add to your point. We already know because Sarkeesian said it multiple times. This is the most physical fall camp Texas has had because they have depth. Now they feel like they can withstand injury. So he's talked about having a more physical fall camp. So knock on wood, we all need to knock on wood. The fact that we haven't heard about those major injuries, that's a really good sign because this has been a more physical camp. I mean, bottom line, I mean, Sark said it, they have more depth. Uh, They know they can be more physical up front in these, in in these practices and scrimmages. And um, look, the one thing we do have heard is that Jalen Catalan, they've held them out of both. I think that's smart. Uh, he's pretty much on a day contact, off a day contact. And there's no need for him to play in these scrimmages, guys. I mean, I I, I will say this. I mean, there's just no reason for him to play. They need this guy 100% healthy for Bama.
0: Got it. Uh, I want to take some time and get to some other Super Chats here real quick. Uh, Steve Hampton, thanks for that. I don't, see a, um, I don't see a question attached, but I will get to it when we see it, Steve. Thank you very much. Uh, this one's from T, Super Chat. What helps more with recruiting, Jerry? A win in Tuscaloosa or winning the Big 12? Rod, I've got a question for you
1: after this as well. Uh, Beating Alabama, no question about it. I mean, look, I'm not trying to be mean. The goal is I'm not stealing Matthew McConaughey's lines, right? The goal is to win the conference. The dream is, you know, next thing, right? That's a goal. But we're talking recruiting here. (laughs) Nothing could be better for Texas football recruiting than walking into Tuscaloosa and handing Nick Saban his first home game at night loss since 2015. Let's not mm-hmm. even oh. – and it's not even 2024. It's 2025 and six. Rod knows this from being recruited. I mean, he can tell his Florida State stories, right? It's it's the classes after
2: <laughs> it, it,
1: it really affected by mm-hmm. a team's success. I mean, you know, that that's what – so no question – a win over Alabama would do more for recruiting outside of Texas making a college football playoff than anything this year. So not even close. My history tells me the same thing. But, Rod, i got a question for you in this
0: category. You agree with that 100% or are there caveats to that?
2: I, I, I'm i going to throw a caveat out there. I like as it. Long as, as long as it's not an implosion you know, throughout the rest of the season, right? Like We're Notre so many, Dame,
0: like Texas beats Notre
2: Dame. Yes, yes, exactly. We're so, I assuming mean, you lose to Alabama, but it's a tight loss, fourth quarter. You know, comes down last two, three minutes, and then you're like TCU last year, right? You lose, you don't win the Big Twelve, but you're still in conversation yep. to be in the national title game, right, And to be in the College Football Playoff. So yes, yeah, as long as they don't melt down and have an implosion down the stretch and collapse on themselves like a dying star. We're, yes, I agree with Jerry. Yeah. Okay.
0: yeah so <laughs> that's a good going. point. Yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. That's exactly because we're thinking that it'll just continue on, right? Uh, King me with a question that uh, I think is good. Any starters losing their jobs before the Rice game? If y'all could have heard me, Rob, uh, me, Rod, and Jerry before we went live, we were actually talking a, a little bit about this. Okay. Yeah. And it was at cornerback where, you know, look, Ryan Watts is getting pushed. Terrence Brooks and is getting pushed. They're all getting pushed by one another. Yeah. Texas right now has four corners that can play. Hmm. Four. Now there have been times they hadn't had two. So, so like, <laughs> I mean, that they, they, not that not that they were bad, just they weren't as good. Are you including Jade Barrett in your four? Is Jade part of your four? No. No. They like this Gavin. They like Gavin Holmes. Too. They like Gavin, Gavin Holmes.
2: Wake Forest. Chandler. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so, Rod, you know, that's the one that we're looking. I mean, is Ryan Watts a potential there? Is he, he's definitely a starter at Boundary, but they're cross training Brooks and Muhammad at Boundary as well. Yeah. Maybe they go, maybe if they play an Ohio State that has four guys that can fly that are Jets. Maybe and they don't have to respect the run as much. Maybe they do something like that, but I don't know King Me other than uh, DJ Campbell. We've talked about that a lot. The right guard, he apparently is taking over at right guard ahead of Cole Hudson.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, have the coaches made that decision? We don't know, but DJ Campbell for about the last week and a half has gone in with the ones every time. Uh, now Cole Hudson has rotated in, but it's been DJ uh, Campbell first. Other than that, I'm not sure of any. Other starters
1: that we're kind of on watch for right now, guys. Y'all agree with that? Anybody? Jerry? No, I agree with that. I, I, w- I want Rod's perspective on this. So you got four really good corners, and practice is one thing, right? But then you have the scrimmages when it's really yeah. live. But how much of this do you think comes down to when the season starts? Is it how, who? Is it consistency versus playmaking? Do the guys who are just going to make the plays slowly take over and that happens in the games, guys? I mean, that's kind of my question at the position, how it's going to shake out.
2: Yeah. No, I'm going to that. That's a good point. Cause I always said, like, you know, I'm a technician. Right. That's what I did really well. I was a tech. If I was a defensive coordinator, I'd probably put guys in three different categories to play on my defense. You got to be a technician, you got to be a disruptor, or you got to be a ball hawk. Yeah. You got to give me one of them va- added values as a player. Correct. Right, Technicians are really stable. They do their jobs. They're consistent. You pretty much get the same consistent reps all the time. Those guys are important, but they may not be ball hawks. I wasn't a ball hawk. I played the man all the time. I you know, played the eyes of the man. I played the hands. I You guys know I had trouble with the ball once I got out of high school. Right. That kind of issue. And you have disruptors, guys who are just constantly making play. Jalen Catalan is probably falls under that category. Right. He's just a disruptive presence all the time. And you have ball hawks. Oftentimes, ball hawks are guys that take a lot of chances, but hey, they, they make a lot of plays. They they may give up some plays, but they make a lot of plays too. Um, I think if you're looking at Texas right now, they want to put more guys on the field who are disruptors and that are ball hawks. Yeah. And I think they just, because I think Sark believes he can score points. He's kind of going back to the old Big 12 model, guys, where hey, I can score points. I need a defense that will give me back the football. And my defense may give up some plays, but I need them giving back the football so we can score more points. And it's almost what Oklahoma did. Oklahoma's defense, as we know, it struggled in the Big 12 at times. Um, After Bob Stoops, it struggled in the Big 12, had a tough time regaining its identity, but they still kept winning Big 12 titles. Why? Because Lincoln Riley was dialing up an offense that kept scoring a lot of points. And I think Sark's looking at that saying, hey, I got great quarterbacks. I can score a lot of points. That's the recipe to win the Big 12. The recipe to win the basketball playoff is another thing altogether, which he talked about big humans, speed outside, but to win the big 12, Lincoln Raleigh pretty much showed you, you know, great quarterback play, great offense. You can go on defense if you want to, but pretty much that's, that's been the the, the model that works more, more consistently than, than others.
0: Gotcha. All right. I want to say thanks to our sponsor in a second, but first I want to read this one. To Steve Hampton, this is really nice of you. I just want to say thank you to Rod for giving us the type of play that had passion and intensity that I believe has been matched by none. Thank you for all your <laughs> fantastic play. Uh, that is uh, from Steve Hampton. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, know what? You know it. what's I awesome. Lie,
1: I want to say something lie. about that. Rod's been the same. It carries over from play to what you see tonight. I mean, that's the story. The first time I met Rod, the energy was there. The, he had, the energy has always been consistent with Rod. That's why I'm so excited to be a teammate of his. We got a lot of. We got a we got a bunch of fun stuff planned, man, and we're gonna have a blast with this. Hey, we're gonna, Rod, get, hey, we're gonna get Rod. Yeah. Hey, we're gonna get Rod breaking down recruits. We're gonna have a
2: lot of fun with this guy. Hey, J- Jerry, Jerry discovered Rod B, man. And nobody gave nobody gave Rod B this first uh, good yeah. scouting report and evaluation before Jerry Hamilton did. it. So, hey, it's, it's full circle, baby, full circle. <laughs> hey, Rod. Up. Hey, Rod. Rod came
1: out back when the assistant coaches would show up when the, when kids committed at the press conference. That doesn't <laughs> happen anymore. <laughs> I believe Tim Brewster was there, am I right? Hey, you damn right,
2: Tim Brewster. Because I was there, too. Yeah, the, I call him the Ric Flair of recruiting. That's Tim <laughs> Brewster, baby. Now it's with Dion now. he already He's a mercenary, for real. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, let's say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, you, the man. Sunday night live stream is brought to you by our friends at the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the Statehouse to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. They are a political, communications lobbying, business development, and re- regulatory compliance business that focuses on helping your business once more that's to learn to learn more go to www.crossoakgroup.com rod i'm going back to you uh on this one now here okay yeah. let's go with this from uh poke casino hook em, rod over Ooh. under first three games Ooh. defense six turnovers 10 sacks now showing going up every time oh it, yeah. and then rod who is your breakout player on offense and defense? Six turnovers and
2: 10 sacks. One of those games is Bama. And we're going <laughs> over under on these. Oh, man, you got to rack up against Rice then. Um, okay. Unless Jalen Muro ends up turning the football over, which he's, he has a tendency to do. Okay, how about this? Because they have been getting a lot of takeaways in practice. And they haven't necessarily I don't know about the sacks. Like, we don't we don't get those types of reports about how the sacks is going. So, how about this? I will go over on the takeaways. Oh, wow. I'm gonna go under on the sacks. I'm gonna go under on the sacks because I haven't heard, but but the take, guys. I've been all I've been hearing is they're taking the football away. That's all I've been hearing is that they're making plays on the football, whether it be Jaren Thompson making plays on the football, Malik Muhammad making plays on the football. And I know that Sark is emphasizing that, he's talked about it multiple times. They were ninth in the Big 12 last year in takeaways. Guys, matter of fact, they had the same amount of takeaways in 2021 and in 2022. Yep. Even with the Even with the improvement, they had 14 takeaways, I believe, in both years. So that's something they've been thinking about in the offseason. Like, hey guys, we, we, we improved our pressure rate. And usually in football, as a football theorist, pressures, more pressures leads to more takeaways and more sacks. But it didn't for Texas, yep. which is strange. Like they, they so something's off. They got to solve that mystery. And I think they've been working on it hard in the off season. So I'll go with that. I'll go with over on the takeaways. And Jaron Thompson, when I when he when he talked to the media, he talked about taking the football away and doing more, you know, study about, you know, pre, pre-snap analysis about diagnosing plays. I think the guys are getting to the cerebral part of the game now where they've been entrenched and they've been in a system. And right. they've been familiar with the system for now two or three years and now you have the you have the luxury to start digging into the cerebral part of the game when it comes to this the structure of this system and what you can do within it when you can work outside the lines when you have to be inside the lines of the system. Guys like Jaron Thompson know that. I think that's why you're going to see some tour takeaways this season. That's what I'm hoping anyway. So I'll go there because the who's your world, bro, who's your breakout who's your breakout player on offense and defense? Offense has got to be A. D. Mitchell, man. It's coming. All I'm hearing is Ad Mitchell's the guy. Yeah. Um, I can't say. I mean, Jt Sanders already had a breakout year. Uh, you know, Xavier Worthy, Zach Xavier Worthy, Jay wit Witt, Jay Witt. See so what the obvious choice is? Ad Mitchell. Every practice report we hear is that that guy is consistently beating one-on-one coverage. And in the season, we expect him to get a lot of one-on-one coverage. You're gonna double X Man. You're probably gonna double Jt Sanders. Those are the obvious proven commodities. You're gonna take them away, and then we expect Jay Witt. A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nayor, guys like that to get one-on-one coverage and just have to beat it consistently. And he's a guy that's been reportedly beating it consistently uh, in practice and in training camp. What about on defense?
0: Mention, what about on uh, defense?
2: That was interesting, man. That was <laughs> interesting. Um, I to, I, I'm with Jerry. I would love it to be Alfred Collins. I, I think that would be amazing. That would be a beautiful thing. Um, right, I mean, I, I'm hearing good things about Alfred Collins. I'll go elsewhere. I, I hope it's him. I'll go elsewhere. I don't think Jaron Thompson's had a breakout year just yet. Like, he hasn't. I mean, he's been consistently uh, his trajectory, his developmental rate, and track have, yeah. I think, been going a positive direction. But has he broken out yet? Have we had a breakout year from Jaron Thompson this year? I'm hoping he has a breakout year. Jay Barron had a breakout year last year, in my opinion. Yeah. He made a lot of Crucial plays, big games, critical moments. Um, we don't know who's going to be the field corner. Ryan Watts, not sure about him, but he's more of a technician. I think on somebody who's evolving their game and the cerebral mental IQ part of the game, I'm going to go with Jaron Thompson. Other than Alfred Collins, who we all hope, as Jerry puts on the sunglasses, that is Alfred Collins. We all hey, hope it's And by the We're way, awesome.
1: a healthy Jalen Catalan helps more play <laughs> possibilities come the way of Jaron Thompson, I believe. Hey Jerry, stay
0: right you there. Stay I, want you, I want you to stay on the screen because we—I—I I, I neglected to mention this early. Dominic McKinley, yeah, I, young man out of Lafayette uh, Acadiana, the defensive tackle. You had some news on him that you wanted to relay to people during this chat. Some people have asked about him. I didn't bring up the question yet. Uh, could you do that real quick for everybody? This is the
1: five-star defensive tackle
0: out yeah, of Lafayette,
1: Dominic McKinley, ranked number twenty-two in the country, I believe, in the On3 industry ranking, out of Acadiana, high in Lafayette. Uh, that he actually had a pick six for a touchdown again to start a senior year at 6'5", 280. I mean, it's just – I don't know, if Bobby, anybody's ever had three pick sixes at defensive tackle before in two years of high school football. I've watched it's highly ranked and like that. But uh, last week they took a week off from talking with college coaches, getting through that first week of school really sitting down as a family, getting into this decision-making process ahead of a September 1 announcement. I can say now that, uh, that he's, began, he's begun talking uh, to colleges again, and that includes Texas and Oklahoma, uh, so that they're back making contact with the college coaches as they get through this uh, final here a uh, few days before that September 1 decision. I think Texas is right there in it. Um, I think Oklahoma because of Todd Bates is right there. And I think Ohio State's kind of a wild card because he does like Larry Johnson. Feels like it's a long way away from home when your younger brother's going to be a sophomore this year and we will have two years of varsity uh, high school football on Friday nights. That travel on Saturdays could be tough. I think that helps Texas. Still here in LSU and a and are kind of there on the peripheral this one unless something changes here in the last 10 days or so. Uh, but he's back in contact with uh, the colleges, and that includes Texas this weekend.
0: So that, just to be clear, what we're talking about here is he took a week off, no contact. Yeah. That hey, I need I need to clear my head a little bit, figure some things out. His mom is an educator. Yeah. Very big on getting off to school the right way. Correct. Right, so let's let's be clear that he wants to be an engineering major, Rod. Yes, 100%, by the way, wants to be an engineer. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. so well, this was- this is not your normal. <laughs> this is not the the normal defensive tackle that that. You know, it's not that that not the defensive tackles are not offensive linemen. All the offensive linemen are the ones that had the high IQ crap, right? Yeah. Uh, but the defensive tackles are the ones you want to go go get them. No doubt. He ain't that way, my man. He wants to be here. <laughs> hey, what are
2: you right? talking about? Sam Macho played defensive tackle? Come on, he man. He played
0: defensive end. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he little,
2: they, they no, defensive defensive end. tackles
0: are different than, de- than, than defensive ends now. Right. Come on. And, well, and I want to say – was a bright – Jeff Crowder, they all these guys, Brian Pickle, those guys, defensive tackles are different than defensive ends now.
1: I, 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 I want, say, want to add one Casey thing on that. what you said. Too. I want to add one thing on the McKinley. I, I think what Texas, to be clear, what Texas has going for them is it's a drive from Lafayette. And when your younger brother has two years of high school football left after you go to college, travel becomes tricky for a mom. She's in education. She's around schools till Friday when school gets out. Then her son plays on Friday night in Louisiana and Lafayette area. Then you want to go get to your son's Saturday game. That is helping Texas in this recruitment. Is that going to push them over the finish line? I think relationships are important. I don't think it's a talking point. I think it's real. But I do think that helps Texas in this one.
0: All right. Uh, Going on to to some other stuff here. Uh, Thanks for uh, giving us the update on Dominic McKinley. Uh, young man out of Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, Rod, this one's for you, bud, for Tim Salinas. Uh, Rod, what does Texas need to do to win more road games and win one more one possession games? Seems like under Sark, we've really struggled with these two.
2: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDIC.
0: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or
2: iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, that is a a fact. I I think there were two and five in one score games last season. That number probably should be flipped. And uh, talk about road games. That's something that even Sark, going back prior to Texas, has struggled with as, as a coach. Listen, the the, the the belief is that Sark, Tim, that he evolves as a coach this season with all the resources, all the talent, all the great support that he has here with Jay Hartzell and CDC and Kevin Eltaik, that with everything in the right place, that Sark now can reach his ceiling as a coach. And his ceiling is really high. His ceiling is that we believe he's a championship-level coach, but he hasn't gotten a chance to reach that ceiling because of uh, other things. All right, other maybe you know other shortcomings with the university or even obviously personal demons, all that kind of stuff, which we all deal with. So I think this year everything seems prime. The support staff behind the scenes with you know the the holy trinity, but with Texas football, with because everything at Texas got to be right too. The BBs, as Mac Brown said, need to be in the box, as you guys know. And the BBs actually are in the box. There's unanimity behind the curtain on the 40 acres united behind Sark and supporting his vision. And Sark seems to – the talent side issue, talent development is probably at a better point than it's been in, what, 13 years? We're seeing actual – with our real eyes, we're seeing guys get better position by position. The culture seems like it is a positive culture. Guys want to be here. Um, Sarks talked about emphasizing the culture. So everything seems like it's in place. The only thing that we question right now, and well, I question, is coaching. I mean, it is. And that is the adjustments within the game, the chess match within the game, Sark being able to outwit our opponent. I'll give you one stat. I looked at Sarks' record versus coaches that have won at least 60% of their games, which is, that's the benchmark to get into the College Football Hall of Fame they're debating whether Mike Leach should get there because Mike Leach is at 59 and a half or something like that. Sark's winning percentage versus those coaches or is around 40%. His winning percentage versus coaches that win less than 60% of their games is over 75%. When he has to match wits with a with a good coach, at times he you know he falls short. This year he need, when he's matching wits like Mike Gunn, Mike Gunn is a damn good coach, we know that. And he should have beat Mike Gundy last season. But Sark got out coached. Just that simple. It's okay. It happens. Yep. But this year, he needs to be more on the winning side. of the, And it's okay because he's evolving as a coach. And we know that. We've invested in him because we believe in Sark. This year, he needs to take that leap that he can be a coach that can outwit other coaches in the chess match within the game. And I think he wins the game plan and preparation most of the time. His preparation and game plan is brilliant. And I, we all love it. We need to see more of that, that innovation, that creativity later in the games. And at that time, he's being our coach. Texas actually was outscored in the fourth quarter in our time last season. And yet they outscored their opponents by 179 points combined in the first three quarters. That's when we need to start to show up in that fourth quarter. A schematic, tactical, strategic advantage. And that's what we need from him. And I think we'll get it. But we haven't shown it just yet. How- This is a good question then.
0: So let's talk about this for a little bit because the the question I have is they came on at the end of the year last year, in my opinion. After the Oklahoma State game, uh, yes, they lost to TCU, but they beat Kansas State late. They beat Iowa State late. They beat Baylor late, right? They started, my question, it reminded me, and this is what I would say to you, Rod. Remember when Baylor was like had some good talent, but they just weren't going, getting over the top. And then that one season with with uh, Art Browse, they started winning games late that year. Yep, that they wouldn't necessarily have won the year before, even the year before that. Midway through last year, after Quinn got back and got ready, I felt like, even though he wasn't ideal, his hand wasn't great, et cetera, they were starting to make a turn in that regard, a little bit. They were playing better in the fourth quarter in
2: particular. Agreed. I mean, you found you found a way to win those games. Well, they the, did. Even games, you started ugly, and the game plan might have been off. And you're right about that. K-State was that. owl State was that. Baylor was that. Baylor, I think we're all a little, a little scared at the Baylor at the start of it. Like, oh, man, this ain't looking ugly. This ain't looking good. Because the offensive preparation and game plan, which usually gives Sarc adva- a huge advantage, he didn't have that. So he just made the simple, almost simplistically brilliant uh, adjustment, which was give it to Bijan and Rojo. Let's take the risk out of the game plan, which was yeah. you know putting the ball in Quinn's hands. But I thought Quinn played his one of his better games in the bowl game. I thought he looked really good in the bowl game. I don't, I don't think he was a problem in the bowl game. So I'm with you. I think we saw strides. I think we saw Sark find a way to win games. But without Bijan and Rojo, because that's, that's how you won the Baylor game. That's how you won the Iowa State game. Right? He's leaned on Bijan and Rojo, and that's fine. You 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 can't do that in the Alamo Bowl, and we saw the result. So I need to see him have a have a have a have a an adjustment or a counter within the game that gives his team a tactical schematic, you know, strategic advantage that is not simply let's just give it to Bijan and Rojo. You're damn right. Uh, well, and I, th- I here's my question:
1: better playmakers around Quinn this year deeper receiver core um i i'm of the opinion that's really going to help sark and quinn i rod we haven't had talked about this but one of the things last year you know the when the quarterback wins sometimes he gets too much of the credit when he loses sometimes he gets too much uh, of the fault for that but he didn't have guys making plays for him talk about that as a corner a receiver has to sometimes go make the play for the quarterback and Quinn, too often times this year, didn't, last year, didn't have somebody go and make a play for him. He had to make every play at the position through the air. Not to JT Sanders, but even they didn't get to use him down the field as much because they just didn't have the personnel for that. But kind of talk about that, Rod. How much do you think that could help Sark and Quinn this year to have receivers that are maybe going to make poor plays for them?
2: Yep, I totally agree with you, and, and I think that's the optimistic view is that will have more built-in solutions to problems now within the offense. Yes. yes, Offensive line is going to be better in pass protection because you now have higher upside. You bring back all the starters, but also you're going to infuse that offensive line with higher upside talent behind them in the rotation. Yep. JT Sanders is going to be better. X-Man, he had a regression last season. Straight up. Let's just admit it. I love me some Brandon Marion, but from a developmental standpoint, X-Man regressed probably was a hand injury. And I've heard in practice, he's back and that's great. Uh, so I'm with you. Now you got the receivers. Even if there's a – remember last year, the third receiver, you really couldn't figure it out after or It right. could have been Casey Kane. It could, it, that really didn't work out for you. Uh, you had the Iowa State, Tariq Milton, Iowa State transfer. He made some plays, but that wasn't consistent enough. Now you have no doubt at all. You have solutions built in at wide receiver. A.D. Mitchell. Isaiah yours back healthy. Jonte Cook, a young Jonte Cook is ready to go. DeAndre Moore, whatever it may be. So I'm with you. I think now Sark is going to have an easier time finding solutions to problems that are presented by the opposing team. And, and, Quinn, yours, one more year in the system, guys. That's big. Man, the familiarity now. Like, how yeah. about this? I, I just don't... And I actually was watching some film on um you you told me I we watched some film actually on Malik Muhammad a little bit and yep. William Roberson a little bit and one of the things I actually wrote down in my notes make sure I get it about William Roberson was you he's his suddenness he's yes. sudden right it, it, everything about it he, he plays offense defense everything about him is a is sudden and she's like well what does that mean that's kind of a scouting term oh he's a sudden player sounds really cool what does it mean it means He's decisive. Yes. It means that he he's not thinking from snap to whistle. He's just it's muscle memory, he's reacting, it's instinctive. Those guys, and it's why everything seems like he's just oh real, like he's he's on it immediately. And some guys are a little bit smoother because you can almost see them processing as they go. Now with him, everything seems immediate. And with Quinn, he talked about how he's not thinking anymore, how everything now seems. It's smooth, familiar, and it's immediate, especially those automatic checks and those, those fail saves within the offense, those checkdowns. He's got that automatically now. And I think his process now is going to be a little bit better. It's going to speed up. He's going to be more comfortable. So there's no telling where that developmental track will lead Texas' offense. If he's fast-tracked and he's like, and it, it really starts going off for him and the light goes off and he starts essentially making that offense, his own offense, guys, that offense with Texas can be scary, especially the passing game. Um, but if he's still, you know, still struggling a little bit and still figuring out things and we still see growing pains, that's fine. Cause he hasn't played a lot of football in a long time. So that's good. But I think when he's fully comfortable, when he's fully weaponized in this offense, guys, it's going to be scary because there's no way for you to solve all the mathematical problems that Texas offense can present to a defense.
0: Z from the T guys been missing your voice on the radio. Rod, I listened every day from Houston. Thank the Lord. You're here with the best team. Uh, We appreciate uh, you guys being here. Thanks Z from the (laughs) T. Hey, uh, this is a good question. I want to get in from Blake Bowman, Uh, Bobby, Jerry, and Rod. If, Quinn has a Heisman caliber season, not necessarily win, but in the conversation, is Texas a national championship contender? Uh, I would have to think so, because that would mean they're probably going to be the big 12 champ. And as long as they don't get blown out by Alabama and they, maybe they win,
1: maybe they lose, but then they go undefeated or lose one in the big 12. It's a possibility. Yeah, I think I would lean more to well, – I guess you're technically a national title contender, but I would lean more to playoff, you know, getting in the playoffs. And are you actually sure. contender? We need to see what Georgia looks like with a new offensive coordinator and quarterback Um, because they still have a big personnel advantage. Mm-hmm. We need to see Michigan should have their best team they've had. I don't care if they lost a the TCU in the playoff last year. They got 12 – NFL, they got 12 upperclassmen with NFL draftable grades, not counting an underclassman this year. They could have 15, 16 guys drafted. This should be Michigan's best team. So i do not not saying I want to put Texas there, um, but I think if Quinn has that type of year, are you in the contention for the, to be in the college football playoff? Yes, without knowing what's going to happen at USC uh, uh, and, and everything like that.
2: I think we all want Quinn yours to be – entering the NFL draft next NFL draft. Yeah. 100%. That would mean his draft stock is really high. Exactly. His draft stock is really high. Cause he played really well. Now does Heisman as Well, hopefully, but I'm, I'm with, you know, I'm with Bobby. I don't think he's in that conversation. If Texas underachieves, right. If Texas underachieves, then that, I think they're going to blame that on Sark. And they're probably end up coming back to Quinn somehow. Um, so I think that if, if he's in the Heisman conversation, that means Texas meeting expectations. And this year, the expectation is you're the best team in the Big Twelve. That's what everybody's picking you to be. So yes, I, I think if, if they're best team in the Big Twelve conversation, automatically they're in the College Football Playoff conversation.
1: Uh, yeah, so, I, I'll uh, say I'll, I'll add another thing. If Quinn is in the conversation, that means AD Mitchell, Worthy, Whittington, and Sanders have all had big years.
2: Yes. The past, no, no, that's a I mean, point. there's no
1: other way it can happen.
2: <laughs> Jerry, I agree. And this is why I want to get to this really quick. I know we ain't got to spend a lot of time on it. But guys, last year, we all know the the running game was the identity of the offense, right? Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo and it'll cure all of the, the ills of your offense, no matter what they are. This year, it does seem like to me, if you're going to build the identity of the offense around its strengths, your strengths are in the passing game. It's pretty damn obvious. Yep. I mean, your weapons they, they cannot double team all of your weapons. All Quinn has got to do, and the offensive line's got to hold up, but we assume they will because they got everybody coming back, and you got a lot of talent there. All you gotta do is identify the one on one based on film and game and your game planning, who are the weaker links on the defense and coverage, and identify where the one-on-ones are. And and, and nobody, well, not nobody, Sark is one of the better offensive of minds in college football and manipulating one-on-ones yes you get a guy and now they may not always catch it and Quinn may not always throw it right but he can get a guy one-on-one and this year if you can get them one-on-ones and Quinn knows exactly where it is i ain't gonna say it's pitch and catch but i don't see a lot of texas receivers being being defended one-on-one by most of the teams alabama can do it Maybe a, a State, maybe maybe in Oklahoma. I, eh, but there ain't many teams that should be defending Texas weapons across the board one on one. If you play zone, hell, zone should be just uh that should be pitch and catch for for Quinn Ewers in this system.
1: Hey Bobby, I want to mention one thing. We've had like four uh, Kobe Black questions on his commitment timeline. I want to answer that because somebody some guys have gotten into the chat late, and we have well over a thousand people on here. Um, so. Kobe Black, Justin Welles, myself—we don't expect this commit, uh, this uh, recruitment to go to December. We think there's a good chance, you know, late August, September, uh, that Kobe Black uh, has a decision and lets everybody know that, announces his decision. The big key moving forward will be—is he going to take that LSU official visit September 9th? That's not—I'm not saying I'm going to pick LSU if he does. I'm just talking about the pure timeline right now. Is he actually going to make that visit? I think we'll know in the next week or so.
0: Hey, Jerry, this is one for you. I I brought up R. Gilbert, 33 with Super Chat. Thank you so much. Uh, In your experience, how
1: often does a silent commit actually sign an LOI to that school? I, I think it's about 80%, 80, 85% nowadays. 10 years ago, I think it was about 95%. Nowadays, I think it's about 85%. I think look, the because the, the tough thing now is because the recruiting process is so accelerated that these kids, if you make a if you give a silent commitment in July or August, yet you're gonna start going to college games in the fall, then those college coaches don't really consider you a commitment. Let's be real. If you give a silent commitment, in July, and you're going to announce right before your senior season starts, that's something totally different, right? I mean, but if if you're just a silent commitment for four months, that doesn't really count to me. So, and there are some kids that do that, and the colleges don't really consider those guys silent commitments. In my business, I do because I know they've told them they're coming silently, but that percentage goes down.
0: There we go. I I think that you're on I my point on this, uh, Jerry, on the, the silent commit is the the problem that, that you have is that some guys just use it as a placeholder. Um, and they use it and then go on other visits and right. commit to other schools. So you, when that happens, I don't consider the player silently committed anymore. Right. Right. If they take additional visits, that's when, oh, wait a minute, things have changed a little bit. All right, um, this one's from Justin Yarbrough. Chances both the offense and defense rank inside the top 15. I still think the offense ranks higher by the end of the season. Like to hear y'all's thoughts. Great job as always. Hey, I want to say this, Rod. Uh, you weren't with us whenever I interviewed Phil Steele a couple weeks ago. He's the he's the stat guy, right? Uh, big into it. He had Texas averaging... 35 I think or 35 to 37 points a game this year was his projection and giving up 21 points a game Hmm. that would that would likely put Texas in the top 15 on offense outside the top 15 on on, excuse me in the top 15 on defense outside the top 15 on offense your your thoughts on that uh, both of you guys I, I I think that Phil's likely right I I just get the feeling that this may be, especially early in the season, a defense-led team. I, that's going back to what we started with today.
2: Jay, go ahead. You got it.
1: Yeah, so I I think early, because I, I really think the Texas offense is going to come down to pass pro this year. I think last year you had the run game, and this year you have a quarterback returning, you have more wide receivers that are talented guys, and you have – JT Sanders out there, one of the top two or three tight ends in the country. So Sark's going to attack it in a different way this year, and that puts a lot of pressure on the offensive line the pass pro. So that's really what I think the offense is going to come down to this year, especially when you walk into Tuscaloosa. It's an offensive line game for me for Texas Mm -hmm. on the offense. It's not the skill guys. We know that's improved. Hey, I've got to
0: go to Rod on this one, Jerry. I've got to go to Rod on this because this is perfect for Rod. Uh, From Shannon Hanson, Super Chat. Thank you, Shannon. From Tulsa, thankful for all you do. Do we think practice is starting to now be more difficult than the games will be? Example: Watts getting bitten in practice by talented receivers. Rod, <laughs> yeah. you dealt with some of that.
2: Yeah. No, Maybe. no, that, that's you, that's when, you, honestly, that's what that's when your program turns, guys. That's how many programs in the country right now do we believe have practices just as hard, if not harder, than every game they're going to play in Georgia bama ohio state right i mean there aren't many of them a uh, usc may be getting that category too right at this point um but that to me that's when we that was that turned probably 2001 that was probably 2001 for us where we had talent okay we had that's when you get your roy williams and your bj johnsons and sloan thomas don't johnson's on campus by then Nasty Nate, Nathan Bash is on campus by then. So from every from every different angle, I'm being pushed. And uh, I, like I'm being pushed by Nathan Bash, who's behind me trying to take my job, Michael Huff and those guys. Yeah. Then you also, when I'm in practice, Roy Williams and B.J. Johnson, Sloan Thomas, I'm going up against NFL wide receivers pretty much every snap. And I one on ones. I only went up against, by 2002, I, could, I got just to designate who I went up against in on one-on-ones. And all I faced was Roy or BJ or Sloan. That was it. I, sorry, guys. That's all I faced. I need to, because I need somebody that's going to sharpen my skills. Yep. So they're right about that. Jan's right about that, man. That's, I don't, it's probably, there's less than 10 programs in a country. That's right. You that can say that. Yeah. Less than 10. And those that's are your college football playoff contenders.
0: Hey, Rod, you just displayed why you're, you're terrific on this, mm-hmm. uh, this kind of broadcast or this kind of forum. Because that's that that is somebody that went through something that is hard to explain to others. Um, and, and we can't really do it justice. So I appreciate you. Uh, that's just ideal. Yeah, we need to say thank you to our sponsor uh, one last time tonight. Uh, our sponsor each and every Sunday night is the Cross Oak Group on Texas football is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Uh, Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development and regulatory compliance these days government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business with decades of experience ranging from the state house to the white house Cross Oak group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines to learn more go to www.crossoakgroup.com that's www.crossoakgroup.com we appreciate their ongoing sponsorship of the sunday night live stream uh, we got time for we're going to go a little longer today since we're introducing Rod here. Uh, probably going to go another 10 minutes. So please get your questions in if you have them. i uh, going to start back up with Kevin Nye, Kevin, uh, Bobby, Jerry and Rod. Unfortunately, I live of, on the border of Texas <laughs> and Oklahoma. so All I'm hearing is revenge
1: talk. 49 to nothing. You're not hearing that oh, uh, wow. as OU improved. That much. Jerry, you want to start? Well, yeah. Well, Kevin, and I also asked another question. Is there a silent commitment right now? The answer to that's yes. So uh, we'll move on from that because I know a lot of people have asked in this they show. have. Thank you, Jerry. Yeah. Um has OU improved that much? I just, I uh, man, I think they're undersized on the defensive line. I, I think that's an issue uh for them. Um wide receiver, I, I think depth, if they have any injuries there, could be an issue for them. I don't see you know, we had Tom Luganville from ESPN on uh, about a week ago, Rod, and he thought Texas was way ahead of Oklahoma entering the SEC because of both lines of scrimmage. Hmm. And it's interesting to say that because Beeding Ball has been such such a good coach on the offensive line. To Oklahoma, I'm not sure Oklahoma has the talent on the offensive line they had for that really good run. I think, o- I don't think Oklahoma's improved that much. So I'm going to go 49-3 this year. Wow,
2: <laughs> Terry totally, Hamilton, I totally joking. Sure. <laughs> Put the shades on again, man. <laughs>
1: hey, Got to give him a field goal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, you just right. improved. They did improve. That's improvement. That's improvement. <laughs> I ain't um, gonna but, go to
0: this one, guys. Right, Rod, you want to say something about that? OBA? I'm gonna say
2: real quick that is, that is a that is a stark contrast, guys, because they dominated lines of scrimmage for years in the Big Twelve, and now yes. that is one like you said. Now one of the kind of the liabilities right in their roster. That's just amazing how quickly that can turn on you
0: especially on the offensive line they they yeah. creed humphrey i think was such a glue piece for them for four mm-hmm. years you know and and now he's an, a pro bowl center i mean just <laughs> just think of that uh Cade roman guys I, I rod i don't know if you know this but i got to see two texas commits on friday night uh, jordan johnson Rubel, the safety uh and jared gibson the running back both from img academy i went to their game on friday uh you know i like them both uh you know i think that Jarrett Gibson is a really low to the ground runner, if that makes sense. And he bounces yeah. off of people a little bit, has some quick burst. Uh, he is, he's bulked up really well. He is a short yardage back waiting to happen in my wow. opinion. Um, cool. So that's really interesting. Uh, got good feet. Uh, showed some good, showed some good distance speed. I think he ended up with like 14 for 170. Yeah. But two of those were one of them's like 60 yards. Another one was 50 yards rod. Uh wow. and then JJR, Jordan Johnson Rebels, the safety originally from Fort Worth that transferred to IMG. Um, they did not test him. I mean, I literally he played single high safety rod. He may have got within five yards of the ball once or twice. <laughs> because well, IMG has four division one defensive linemen.
2: Okay, yeah. And he's playing
0: single high safety. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, the quarterback didn't Mm -hmm. have enough time to throw, and they weren't the ball wasn't getting anywhere run, right? And so, and when the the quarterback eventually, the only way they really moved the ball Lipscomb was when the quarterback got out got out of the pocket. He had some speed to him, and he Mm -hmm. could run. But by that time, Jordan Johnson Rubel was running seventy yards downfield with the wide receiver (laughs) trying to,
1: you know. Hey, hey, look! It was hard. He looked. He's a good-looking athlete, though. I know I know it's yeah. private school football, and things have changed. They have 23 players on their team, team ranked three stars or higher. 23. And oh. I know it's a different game. Modern day has about 17, but that's still that's a huge number. Uh thing on Jarrett, too, I'd say, Bobby, is you know, when you people say when he when I report he weighs 207 pounds, people kind of look at his photo and say, Nah, there's no way. But once you get up close to him, you can see. He actually is carrying 205, 207 pounds. He's really compact put together, a lot like Savion Reds build, Bobby.
0: Mm. Yep. Hey, guys, oh. by the way, real quick, I need to make a correction. A uh, couple things. I said that Phil said 35 points or 37 points. Matt, our producer, said it was 39 and a half uh, points that Phil said Texas oh. would score uh, this year. Also, uh, you called him Warren. Uh, you called him William Roberson, Rod. Uh, his name is Warren. We'll Sorry, I think, okay. I
2: think uh, my apologies. New, new guys. My um, apologies. Let's
0: let's keep going here, and let's go to this one from uh, P3A PTTMH. Not sure what that all stands for, but he has got a super <laughs> chat for us. It's pretty good. We will have four-plus sacks against Bama. It will be because Milrose's tendency to hold the ball. He does do that. That's what the Aggies got him last year, guys. Watts is a sure things to start. He allows the defense to play free see games when he was hurt last year. I agree with you. It's a different secondary than last year. Hmm. Terrence yep. Brooks wasn't ready. Gavin Holmes wasn't
1: in, on the roster. Neither was Manny Muhammad. Yeah. How, how important is Ryan Watts against the run in that game? We'll get to it. We'll get to that game after a 56-7 win over Rice. But look, that I think that's going to be an interesting – thing for rod and and everybody to talk about all of us to talk about is how important is ryan watts against the run going to be in that game
2: that's a great point watch him i remember watching him on film what they call the nub side which is a tight end inline tight end and maybe they got formation else uh to the other side like trips or you know twins to the other side and basically ryan watts would end up becoming the kind of forced run defender dude he was awesome Yep. I mean, he was great in that role, actually. And also, guys, another thing we got to think about this year, you guys have talked about it. You know, we got all these defensive backs now that uh, they believe have starting caliber potential. We didn't see a lot of dying package last year, six DBs. That's right. Situation. They just didn't do it. Maybe they could have didn't trust the DBs, maybe because, you know, you had really good linebacker play, Overshown, Jalen Ford, and you had really good D-line play. Why You got really good front seven play. Why would you play a lot of DBs? But I wonder this year if we'll see some dime pack at 60Bs because the way you guys are talking, they got three, four corners they trust. They know they got three safeties they trust with Catalan, you know, Keaton Crawford and also Jaron Thompson. I don't know. I wonder, and if you got guys you trust that can that can that can be physical in the box, come down and stuff the run, run the alley, which I think Jaron Thompson proved he could. You know, and I wonder if they'll do that a little bit, just just situationally this year. Yeah.
0: Hey, I want to ask. We got time for about three more questions, guys. Here before we get going. This one's a good one because Rod was there. Uh, Rod from Rick Ambergay. Rod was DJ and Alpha even mm-hmm. as a freshman. Jerry has said Colin Simmons is one. I'm curious if Ant Hill is an Alpha even as a fr- freshman. Tell us. Yeah. Tell us about Derek Johnson and when you guys knew. Oh, this guy's a little different.
2: Okay, so first of all, Mac Brown told me because I hosted him on his recruiting visit. So, <laughs> Mac told me, he was like, Robbie, we got to have him. If you don't think you can get him, then let me know because we'll put somebody else on. Like, <laughs> no pressure, he's like, no pressure. He's like, this guy, we if, if we want to win a national title, he wanted him, we need him. And I was like, I'll get him. Done deal. I got my crew, I got the wood, I got Sims, I got. My boy Shano got Montreal. I got, I got enough. I got people, both gave. I got people. Are we good? And we got him. Okay. We got him. No doubt. He was, he was all in. And I'm not going to say it was all on me. I think he was coming either way, but I get to take credit for it. <laughs> but we got this dude on campus on the field. He was that alpha. I think he was trying to be respectful off the field for the hierarchy that had developed. Cause he's that kind of guy. That's right, so why he ended up you know, being one of the greatest players in the history of college football and one of the greatest Chiefs, by the way, in the history of Kansas City Chiefs football. He respected the hierarchy. I think he could have asserted himself. We didn't need it, though, guys. We didn't need it at the time. We had great leadership. It was already being handed down. We had D.D. Lewis's and we had Sean Rogers and Casey Hampton's. We were, we were fine. We didn't necessarily need some way to assert themselves. This year, they may need it. Because they don't have that leadership solidified like we did. They lost Overshown. They lost Rojo. They lost B. Young. They need young guys to step up. And you can't lead if you ain't leading by example. So in football, if you ain't balling on the field, you can't be a leader. Nobody's going to listen to you. You can do the right thing, but you can't be trying to lead others if you ain't leading by example on the field. The reason Derek Johnson early on became a guy that people looked to, he wasn't doing it as you know verbally, but he looked to for leadership because God, he came in. Balling. I'll give you an example. You know this little his little signature move where he would knock the ball out the little tomahawk chop. <laughs> guys, we started teaching that after he came in doing it. It wasn't something that that they the coaches at Texas taught him. He was doing it naturally, and then we were like, you know that that actually works, guys. I need mean, y'all to we got to start thinking about that that That's how that's how much of a instinctive, impactful player Derek Johnson was. So yes. He could have been one of them guys. I think he chose not to, but man, no doubt. That was a transformative, transformational player.
0: Got it. All right, th- thanks, Rod. That's awesome stuff. Texas football, Harayo, uh with a super chat. If, as, if we're as good as we hope, what are factors for getting non-top teams, so non-first string guys, reps in games when we are ahead? Historically, it's been mid-third quarter if they're up big, early season. Not until the fourth quarter, though, once they get into league play rod jerry y'all y'all
1: think that's kind of the the way it looks yeah yeah, for sure i mean look i mean a lot of people we have a lot of comments anytime we bring this up people are predicting quinn will be out uh, early in the third quarter at halftime of the rice game now texas wants to build continuity with these new wide receivers this new look offense headed into bama you don't take a quarter off before the bama game maybe wyoming Maybe you adjust earlier if you're up big there, but not before Alabama. You want to get the reps. uh, You want to get that continuity that you've been working on in the summer and in fall practice. You want that to carry over to a game and it be sustained. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Bobby. I I almost think into the third quarter if you're up big on Rice. I think the starters are going to play three quarters, and that doesn't mean you're going to have a rotation, but I think the starters are going to play three full quarters against Rice if you're up big.
2: And think about it, guys. Sark has been about finishing games. So to add to your point, too, guys, we know 2021, you know, the big issue was late game collapses, you know, implosions, those comebacks by yep. your opponents. And in the, the second year, it, it, you know, Sark's teams didn't finish. They weren't fourth quarter teams. They didn't finish the entire game. So I'm kind of with you, Jerry. I think I think Sark may go a little bit deeper into the games because he trusts the depth of the team, number one. Yep. But also, he wants the mentality of we finish opponents we close him out like Mortal Kombat, finish him. Like we close him out, we finish him, we put our, our foot on the throat and we we leave no doubt at all. And I think he may be in that phase now that we got to be, we got to be having a killer instinct late in in the second half of games. All
0: right. I want to go back to you, Jerry, on this one. It's a recruiting question from Ray, Ray, uh, Roy Womack. Uh Thank you. Do we have any four-star commits that will end up
1: being five stars after their senior season? You know, I I don't think so right now. I think, But I think where this Texas class is going to shift in the recruiting class rankings, I think you have a number of guys that are going to move up, whether they're already in the top 300 in the country or if they're an underrated three-star right now, high three-star like DeAndre Robinson, who uh, was blowing people up in the the, uh, opener Friday night against a really good Tampa Jesuit team, and Alex January. I think those two guys – or because they're large humans, and those guys tend to get ranked more correctly as seniors. Um, I think Alex January is going to have a big year and end up a four-star guy. I think Deontay Robinson is going to be a four-star guy. Both those guys already should be, in my opinion. But well, it'll all it'll all even out. It'll all work out. Then you get the guys who I think are going to uh, make a jump as seniors in rankings. Christian Clark, Bobby, and I are both on. He's ranked around two hundred and sixty in the country right now. I think he's going to end up top one hundred and fifty in the country for sure. Uh, I think he's going to have a huge senior year, and people are really, really going to take notice. I think Daniel Cruz. I mean, uh, he's ranked about what 190 in that area right now nationally. I think he's going to move up. And those things matter in class rankings. So any four-stars to fives, I can't say that right now. Um, but three-star guys to four-star guys, for sure, four-star guys higher to mid-fours, and that really affects your class rankings at the end. Yeah, I think there's going to be two or three like that. Jordan Johnson or Bell could be another one.
0: Hey guys, real quick, Rod. For you, have you seen um, have you seen Santana Wilson or any of the uh, recruits that no. Santana Wilson is uh, Al Wilson's son, the former uh, oh, yeah, bowler. Yes, yeah. uh, that's his son. He's a he's a corner out of the Phoenix area that's committed to Texas. I'm going to get you guys. I'm going to we're going to get you some film. Yeah. You can no, check right. those guys out and uh, share your thoughts uh, with those next time. Uh, you're on with us here. Hey,
1: I'm, I forgot one, and Bobby, you love him, Jordan Washington, the tight end at Langham Creek. I think it's going to end up a four-star prospect. I think look, look, he's a basketball guy that came back to football. He's gained 18 pounds. He is a confident guy, and his tape as a senior is going to be really good. And here why? Here's why. Todd Thompson, the off the head coach at Langham Creek, is a great offensive coach. He asks him the block. He he splits him out. He he gets to show a complete skill set, and he's going to do it. As a more confident player as a senior with 20 pounds on him, Jordan Washington, I think will end up being a four-star player. Jerry, the other
0: the other thing about him for you, don't forget he's still growing. Yes. That that's like he's six three and a half, six four, and he's still growing. So he's some guys are tapped out, right? Height exactly. wise. He's not that. Yes. <laughs> exactly. He's a Florida high school kid, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The C note, uh, got 999 here. Hey Rod, do you the Sart trust yours? If he sees seven or eight in the box to audible out to a passing play or audible receivers routes, this is a – I think this is a valuable question. He's going to have to trust him or he can't – he shouldn't be playing him perhaps because they're going to do that. They're going to stack it against
2: him. And, you know, Sark even describes his offense as an RPO-based offense, right? He wants to run as many RPOs as possible, and the RPO essentially – is up to the quarterback to make the the count in the box, whether they have the numbers advantage or not. And, you know, one of the things that defenses love to do is distort the pre-snap read, the pre-snap count for the quarterback, which is why we'll talk about this a lot, right, coming up uh, for the season. The three-high, three-down defense is a great defensive strategy versus Steve Sarkeesian's offense, and it's kind of his – I don't know. If there's a if there's a schematic kryptonite for Steve Sarkisian, that might be it. And a lot of that is based on the distortion of the pre snap box counts. But um, I, I think this year Sark will. And as Bobby mentioned, he said he's got to. If he doesn't, it's going to make that offense a lot easier to defend. If he's not trusting his quarterback to be able to make simple audibles at the line of scrimmage. I think he will trust him with that because the audibles Listen, if they're putting, if they're putting eight in the box, they're stacking the box. Stacking the box means more defenders than blockers. If they're doing that, that means you've got one-on-one on the outside. It's pretty simple. They can't stack the box It's a numbers game. They can't stack the box and double team your best wide receivers. So when they stack the box, you check. That means you got one-on-ones and one-on-ones with x man, JT Sanders, J. Witt, Isaiah Nayor, AD Mitchell, that seems like a, a pretty advantageous situation to be in. Hey,
1: I always, hey by the way, I want to say this, Bobby. I want to add because we talked about this before. Here's the other part about to add to what Rod said. Sark wants nothing more than Quinn Ewers to become a first round pick. The only way that's going to happen is if he lets him audible out at the line of scrimmage. Otherwise, you can't when you can't tell the NFL he's he's a first round pick if you're not willing to let him make audibles at the line. There's yep. no way – you can't fake that or mask that. For Sark to in this program to get to where they want, they need these guys to be drafted high. And the way to do that is at that, that quarterback position, they have to be able to audible. You can't hide that from the NFL.
2: Not from Nick Saban either, by the way. So game right. two, we'll know. We'll know by game two.
0: <laughs> hey, hey, Rod and Jerry, uh, you just – Rod, Rod, you mentioned that three-high safety look and the teams that run it. Who gave them problems last year? Iowa state was undermanned and gave him problems.
2: Exactly. TCU. TCU. Yep.
0: Gave him problems the whole game. So that's something to watch for going forward. Uh, you know, who else talks about that all the time is Ian Boyd. Oh, the that's my
2: director. dog, man. The flyover, baby. <laughs> hey. 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 <laughs> he football talk. He,
0: he, he <laughs> talks about it all the time. All right. Uh, this is going to be the last one for the night guys from KD 35. I am the best. And it is, uh, a super chat that is loaded with, uh, loaded with, uh, I don't know, uh, <laughs> with what you have heard and seen. Who do you expect to nah. win QB job number two behind yours, Malik or Arch? I'm gonna leave. I'm
1: last. I'm, I'm gonna, oh. I'm gonna leave this one. So y'all, you guys, you guys fight it I'll out. I'll, I'll, I'll lead off. Okay, I'll go lead ahead. Off. I'll, I'll, I'll tuve. I'm gonna go Altuve. <laughs> I think it's gonna be
2: Arch. All right. Really. Okay. Um okay. I'll, you know what I'm going Malik. I uh I'll go Malik just for the because I, I do think Sark would ideally like for the, the hierarchy, kind of the quarterbacks Correct. To, to have a progression, if you will. Um that that doesn't always happen. I, I was in the Chris Sims major app white year, so we know no, that-, that doesn't always happen. Uh, but I will say I, I think there's I love that Malik wanted to compete for this job. That's right. He he, he, pro- he had a chance to leave reportedly. We all know that he wanted to compete for the job. I do believe he thinks, and this is I wouldn't I wouldn't recruit anybody in my program who thought different. That's that right. That I don't give a damn how highly rated the guy in front of me is. I think I'm just as good, and every rep that he does, I'm gonna do it better. And I think I think that Malik actually believes that. i looking at Quint, and I think he wants to test his skill set. Against what people say is the highly highest-rated quarterback potentially in modern recruiting history, and I would too. I would. I, I wanted that as a competitor. I like that about Malik. I'm gonna pick Malik.
0: All right. Uh, I'll. I'll go. I. I think that right now, um, it is a toss-up, and it's something that I'm not even sure Steve Sarkeesian has decided yet. Wow. Now, maybe he comes. Steve Sarkeesian, by the way, guys, and we haven't mentioned this. He goes to the podium tomorrow at 11 a.m. For press conference. I'm guessing that people are going to ask him who is the backup quarterback. Now he has said early in camp that Malik is getting the time with the twos first, then arch. We have heard and, and on Saturday, what I heard was that Malik went out first with the twos. Okay. So Rod, you and I know, and Jerry, we all know that what that means is Malik is number two right now. How did they, pre- how did they play in on Saturday? We'll see. Uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that uh, I'm taking the easy way out and saying, I don't know. I'm going to wait <laughs> for the head coach to tell me. So that's, that's how that's going to go. All right. Um, hey, guys, this has been an absolutely uh, great start to what we've been doing and want to do here on this channel. Rod, mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us. We're oh, ready man. to keep going. The rest, please like and subscribe uh, for uh, more coverage uh, on the Longhorns. Guys, please visit InsideTexas.com. That's where Jerry and I are each and every uh, day, all day long. Uh, Just $1 for one month at InsideTexas.com. Get a subscription and be in the know like no other uh, at all. Go ahead, Jerry. You had something?
1: We've had over 1,200 people at, at, at some points in this chat. We can't get to all your questions, so I always say this. We have... 8 to 9 a.m. live stream, five days a week in the morning. Bring your questions. We'll have multiple live streams in the evenings. Keep bringing your questions. We'll get to them if we didn't. I'm trying to remember some of these. I'll go back through. We'll get to all your questions on uh, Texas football and recruiting. Um, and we're going to have a lot of shows with Rod uh, in the future. So we'll answer all these questions for you if we missed you tonight. And and also,
0: you could use the Inside Texas message boards as yeah. well. So don't forget about those. Hey, guys, I want to say thanks to Ty Watts, uh, AS85, Scott Russell, Steve Hampton, T, Poke Casino, Tim Salinas, Z from the T. I like that one. <laughs> R, Gilbert, 33, Justin Yarbrough, Shannon Hansen may have had the best question of all, I thought. Kevin Nye, P3APTTMH, Texas Football Harayo, Roy Womack, C-Note, KD35, I am the best. Uh, Rod, I'm going to let you uh, take us out tonight uh, and uh, say your thoughts before we get going on what you think the Longhorns will do this year. Because th- this, this is a, this is your first show. You tell us where you think the Longhorns going to end this year.
2: Hey, man, I, I usually, you know, I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid, all right? I, I I try to make sure I'm as realistic as possible. Hey, this year your boy has Texas as a double-digit win team. I got him 10 wins. And win the big 12 10 wins and win the big 12 one of their losses though i do have 2k state avenging that loss in the big 12 championship that's how i have it we'll see if it works out that way but i'm i'm i'm, I'm on the i'm on the bandwagon man i think this is a special year for texas like i said I, I, everything i'm hearing from behind the scenes the players and the coaches everything seems like that it's, it's reminding me of my time on the 40 acres. By the way, we didn't win in with Big 12 Championship, by the way. <laughs> we right. won 11 games and still was a disappointment. So the standard is really, really high at Texas.
0: All right. That's Rod Babers, Jerry yeah. Hamilton. I'm Bobby Burton, and this has been Sunday Night Live Stream. Thanks also to Cross Oak, the Cross Oak Group. Those guys have been terrific for us uh, here at On
1: Texas Football. For Rod and Jerry, thanks for watching, guys.
2: Welcome.